0: Hello everybody and welcome to Mama the Hard Kid. So my kid's been in school for three and a half weeks and yesterday was the day we got our first letter from the teacher. It was an email and it was kind of describing all of the things that little lady had been involved in in the last week and apparently what she did yesterday was kind of like the cherry on top that made the teacher finally decide to tell me. Now, what this looks like for us over the next little while is it causes a lot of distress in my little lady and with reactive attachment disorder and perhaps even borderline personality disorder, she ends up taking these kind of criticisms uh, very, very hard, which ends up pushing her back into what we call her mood, which is when she gets amazingly dysregulated and it's really hard for her to come back from. So the first thing that I want to talk about is the fact that it was in her plan to have the teacher contact me anytime she does something like this. When you have a child who has reactive attachment disorder or any attachment disorder, they don't have that home base. They don't have that person who is the 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 one who knows everything and goes to everything. And when you're sad, you go to. And when you're hurt, you go to. And when you are hungry, you go to. Instead, they just kind of wander off and do all of these things themselves. So one of the things that is in her plan is the teacher is supposed to contact me so that I am aware of all of these larger situations and so that I am, you know, still the ending place. If the teacher takes on this responsibility and doesn't include me, then there is a very significant risk that the child will then use that teacher for the things that she is supposed to be using a parent for and i realize i kind of worded that confusingly but she will start to realize that the the parent isn't the one in charge of all of her situations and so she'll turn towards the teacher and starts using manipulation and tactics to get the teacher to fulfill certain needs for her and it shows up really funny cuz i mean it can be anything from wanting like a video game to wanting a playground, like she's fairly young. So the things that she wants are fairly obvious, you know, and big, but, but it's a weird shift. It's a really important thing to have in your plan. So in the United States, we have two major plans that we use for our children. We have an IEP and a 504. And any time your child has a severe mental illness or any kind of issue at school, whether it's ADHD or, you know, there's a lot of really different things that can cause a reason for this. You have those two plans to pick from. I'm sure there's more stuff, too, but these are the two major things. So an IEP is an education plan. And more specifically, an individualized education plan. And the purpose of this is to put in support, services, anything that the child needs to thrive in school. And it's something that happens from kindergarten and even preschool all the way to 12th grade till the end of school. So when you hear an IEP, know that it is a written legal document a legal plan that maps out what you need for your child. So special instruction, any kind of services, um, supports, things that your children need in order to have a successful day. Now your IEPs are covered by the Individuals with Disability Education Act. So once you create it, it becomes a legal binding document between the school and essentially the student, but also the parent. And this includes public schools and charter schools. And there are a lot of benefits to having an IEP. So what happens is you put in your request and they have a certain number of days to respond. Usually that is 30 days. I do believe that it varies by state, but I think a lot of states do 30 days. So if you go and you say, hey, my kid, I really think that they need an IEP, an education plan to help them because they're dyslexic or because they have ADHD or because of those things, then they have 30 days to get back to you. And then I think they have another 30 to 45 days to evaluate that student. But I think that also changes depending on where you live. There are two criteria that have to be met in order to get an IEP for your child. And the first one is that your child has to meet one or more of the 13 conditions covered under the IDEA or the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act. And we'll go over those in just a second. But the second requirement is they have to need the services in order to thrive in school. So we're going to talk about that one a little bit later too. But first, we're going to go over the conditions. Now, A lot of these are fairly specific, but some of them are broad. And we're going to talk about those. So the first one is a specific learning disability, such as written expression disorder, dyslexia, dyscalculia, dyscalculia not being able to say dyscalculia. <laughs> hey. So those are specific If you have a, and you have to obviously have a diagnosis in order for this to happen. Two is fairly broad. Other health impairment. This can have to do with like the physical part of their body, like whether their arms and legs function properly, whether they have energy levels or alertness problems. ADHD fits into this category. Um, but there is a ton of stuff. This is a very broad category. If your child needs assistance, you know, carrying things, if they can't hold their pencil correctly, this this fits a lot of things into it. Number three is autism spectrum disorder. Now, when you have a child with reactive attachment disorder, you get a little bit jealous of all of the services that are out there for autism, because there's a lot of overlap in autism and reactive attachment disorder, when it comes to like social skills and processing thing the way that they see the world sometimes overlaps in that area. So you're like, hey, and they're like, sorry, we can't offer you services. You don't have autism. Okay. <laughs> Number four, emotional disturbance. Now this is where my little lady falls into the category. And this includes a lot of different mental health issues. So it can be uh, bipolar, schizophrenia, OCD, depression, but also reactive attachment disorder, emotional disturbance. She also has anxiety. So that would fit into this area as well. If certain things need or would be helpful in order to have your child thrive in school, this is probably the area that you'll find a lot of leeway in if you don't have another specific problem. So number five, speech or language delays, stuttering, not pronouncing your letters appropriate, things like that. Um, six is visual impairment, including blindness. Seven is deafness. Now this actually falls into, oh, nope, there's the next one. Hearing impairment, number eight. <laughs> this includes any kind of not deaf Hearing issue. Um, Number nine: deaf, deaf blindness, which is you know kids that have a diagnosis of both severe hearing and vision loss. That's, and number ten: orthopedic impairment, such as like cerebral palsy, any kind of impairment with you know major bodily functions that are affected. Number 11, intellectual disability. This is when maybe the IQ of the child is quite low and that they don't really have the ability to care for themselves. They can't really process the social situations well. Um, Down syndrome fits into this category, even though um, they usually do have good communication and fairly good self-care for a lot of them, but some of them it takes so a lot longer to get to that point and some of them can't get to that point. So number 12, a traumatic brain injury. Of course, very impactful. And 13 is another broad area called multiple disabilities. A child with multiple disabilities that has more than one of these conditions. And and they kind of do this just to sort of keep track. So my child is really really smart she's ahead of the game when it comes to reading. She definitely does not have a low IQ. Those things are all fitting in for her. But when it comes to the emotional disturbance, that is where she fits in. And it was really funny because as you're going through with the education people, and you're telling them, you know, there's got to be something, she needs something. And they're like, you don't fit. You don't fit here. She does. She fits under emotional disturbance. So and even under other impairment because she has ADHD. So don't don't let it stop you. Be sure to research the special education rules inside your own state and they're actually fairly easy to google, but know that one of those 13 conditions has to be met and they have to need the services in order to thrive in school. And that was a big thing when we got her evaluated because she's intelligent, she knows her her grade level, and even into the next grade level. But when she is getting evaluated, they are not seeing the impact that she has on herself and the other children in her classroom. And it's because I think they did the evaluation really terribly, but that's for another grouchy day. But so they were like, no, she doesn't need services to thrive in school. So she was denied her first IEP because They didn't see that she needed those services. But what's funny is when she gets into a real classroom, that was that was quickly decided to um, be necessary for her. So then your next option is a 504 plan. Now, this is a civil rights law. So this is part of the Rehabilitation Act. So the first one is Individuals with Disabilities Education Act and The 504 plan is the Rehabilitation Act. It is a civil rights law. So they fit into two different categories and they work differently from each other. Some people have both, but a lot of people just pick one, but some people do have both. So this is where accommodations falls in. So if you need more time on your test or if you need a break in the classroom or things like that, this is where you want it in the 504. So schools are usually the ones to create the 504 plan, but they are not required to because there is no, you know, actual rule set that says what a 504 is supposed to look like or what it should include. So the only thing that schools have to put in writing are their policies about having a 504 plan. And there are a lot of places where you can go to kind of see what works in a 504 plan for students, but what you usually find in a lot of 504 plans is changes in environment, like taking a test in a special space or um different instruction cues, like they'll they'll prompt this child, you know, more than they'll prompt the other child check in on them, make sure they're understanding things a little bit better, and also changing how the curriculum is presented. So if your child needs a few extra minutes, then maybe they get an outline of the lesson before the lesson happens. So the big thing about this is they're not going to change what is taught, but they can change how it is taught. You can maybe work with Getting a special chair for your child with ADHD or having technology be able to speak out some of the instructions on the iPad for kids that are dyslexic or things like that. They also have a portion here that is relevant for my family that we have not set up yet, that we are still in the process of getting done, which is support for social and emotional challenges. At my child's school, they have a special education room. And it has these special seats for kids to calm down. And they have books and they have little things on the wall where they can point to what they're, you know, feeling at the moment. And unfortunately, we haven't set this up yet. So because my little one hasn't had the chance to process her feelings, then she is getting overwhelmed. And it's, becoming really challenging for her. So I am in the process of trying to get this set up for her. So your IEP can have modifications, but your 504 plan usually doesn't. It technically can have them, but it usually doesn't have, it doesn't modify what your student is expected to learn or what they are taught. So they might get fewer homework assignments or be graded in a different way. Just It just usually doesn't. It's usually how your child is taught or providing an environment that makes it easier for them to learn. So just to be clear, accommodations assist in your child learning the same curriculum as all of their peers. Modifications are when they change what your child is learning For example, if your child has a very low IQ, they might take out some of the stuff that they are being taught to their peers and kind of tailoring it to what the child can actually take in. Those are modifications. Accommodations usually involve, you know, like an actual change to the environment. There can also be behavioral intervention plans. And according to the email I'm getting from teacher, it looks like we will probably be getting one of these as well. And really all it is, is it's just kind of an outline where you list what the problem behavior is, describe why it's happening, and then write down the different strategies and supports so that the teacher can follow that same protocol and keep it consistent for the child. They also put it in writing so that they are essentially legally required to deal with the situation the same way or a similar way every time. Now, just just so you know, these behavior plans don't always work. Some You have to keep going back to review any of these plans. But know that sometimes it's going to be a mismatch and it's not going to work for your student the way that you hope it would. But we just keep going back and we just keep trying. Now, one of the things that's nice about a 504 plan is that you don't, your child doesn't have to qualify for special education. So if your child needs support and they're not under one of those 13 categories, you can still get a 504 plan with them. So it says that you don't need a full evaluation in order to get a 504, but you will have to go through protocols with the school. So you can request the 504 plan. Your school district in the United States should have a 504 coordinator. The They might be the same person that's the IEP coordinator. So, you know, you can check, but in larger school districts, I'm going to guess they're going to be different people. And in some really large school districts, you can probably have one at one school or one that works with just a few schools. But you have to have your request for any of these in writing. And then the school will hold a meeting to decide qualifications. So make sure that you are writing any requests down. Keep things through email just keep track and just keep documented because these are legal plans. So because the 504 plans are covered by the Rehabilitation Act, which is why it's called a 504 plan is because it's section 504 of the Rehabilitation Act. And this is kind of where they talk about students having a right to a free appropriate public education or a FATE. If you get an IEP, you as the parent will be invited to the meeting. If you get a 504, the school does not have to invite you. But you do have the option of saying that you'd like to be notified. um, And you also have the right to see your child's records. But the biggest part of this is if there is a problem with the 504 process, then you as the parent have a legal right to complain. The 504 has fewer protections than the IEP, but it's still usually a good plan in place for some kids. Some kids really need it. And I know there are some parents out there who don't want to put their child in any kind of special education system. They don't want the labels. They don't want the stigma. They just want their kid to have a normal life learning experience in school but what i would caution is as hard as it might be to have the label of being in special ed it might be even harder to not be able to have the basic skills and concepts that you should have gotten 2 years ago in your classes it's going to throw you behind and it's going to ruin your trajectory for educating your child all the way through the rest of their school year it might be worth a few difficult years instead of having many difficult years. And when it comes to reactive attachment disorder and ADHD and all of those things, there I want you when you go into your meetings to know that this is an individualized plan for your child. If you know something that works for your child then bring it up in the meeting and you can probably add something to the plan, either that exact thing or a modified version that works for school. So one thing that really works for my child is if she has a minute, she can calm down if she is put into an environment like the calm down corner. And if she gets calmed down before she, you know, has her big thing, then, you know, you've caught it early and, and it's very beneficial for the rest of the day And then she's not embarrassed and then so beneficial even for the rest of the week. So you can put into her, his, his or her IEP or 504. um, You're going to have more control again over the IEP and you're going to be able to tell them the things that are beneficial for your child and help them out. Because the truth is one thing that I've always you know, in my ignorance thought is that's a lot for the teacher. And it is there's a lot for the teacher. But when you are the advocate for your child, know that they have, it's gonna be so hard for you to get services. It's gonna be so hard. They have their advocates, they have their walls built up, they have their things. Your job as the parent of your child is to advocate for your child. I got steamrolled and I am so embarrassed now that I allowed myself to get steamrolled because I wish that I had said, no, that's not going to work. This isn't okay. You're not seeing it. It needs to happen. But there did come a point where she really just wasn't showing her behaviors. And so there really was a, well, what do you do? But now that she is showing her behaviors, I now have this thing to say, you know what? What? you can clearly see there are behaviors now. We need to get a plan in place that works for this particular portion of, you know, add to the things. Make an environment where your child can be successful because their job is to take care of the entirety of the classroom. The school's job is to take care of the teacher and the classroom and your job is to advocate for your child and that might also look like coming in and volunteering that might also look like being available for calls like one of the things that I would like to add it is not currently in an IEP is to say you know I if she needs to call me let her call me I need an email every single time something like this happens If she needs to call me, let her call me. She gets calmed down time four times a day if she needs, because I would love to be able to solve this with a stern talking to or, or those kinds of things. I can assure you and I can assure the school that I am quite on top of things. My children are important to me. They have structure. They have needs met. This has gone beyond regular parameters. If it could be solved with regular parameters, I'd have done it by now, which is sounds terrible when I say it out loud, <laughs> but it's true. I'd have done it by now because it mattered so much to me and I put the time in to do it and it wasn't 100% the answer because there are bigger things at play. So w- do not be embarrassed. Do not be a grizzly bear, the fastest way that you're going to get this school not on your side, which will be a detriment to your child is by making them angry at you. If you are aggressive and you're mean, and it, you know, occasionally there will be a time where you might have to dig in your heels. But know that this is a relationship that you also have with the school. Your child is going to be there. Your child is going to be interacting daily with all of these people and creating a bad relationship with these people because you care so much for your child is not in your child's best interest. It's not in your best interest. So to come at it in a way where you are being as professional as possible, because this is emotional, this is your child, You need to be able to remove as much of the emotion out of it as you can and stick to factual information and stick to the situation because that is going to provide an environment where people don't get defensive and people don't get resentful because your child that you know might be difficult. In my case, there's a lot of difficulties that my child can come up with. I know that teacher is going to be in the classroom with that child. So I need there to be a symbiotic relationship. I need us to work together. I don't need to be in competition with the teacher. And again, there might be a time where the teacher is not fulfilling the IEP, but that is when you say, hey, I have a legal document here and this does need to be abided by for the best interests of my child. So how do you know which one to pick? How do you know if you're going to pick an IEP or a 504? So remember, first off, if your child fits one of the 13 special education criteria, an IEP might be a good first step. And if your child needs a physical change to their environment, a 504 plan might be the best step. So the IEP will change the education plan. The 504 will change the education environment. So the IEP, you have to have one of the 13 disabilities listed in the IDEA. And in the 504, it is any disability. And for both of them, it's as long as it's interfering with the child's ability to perform in school. I do kind of wonder, too, if I could get an IEP for mine if she's inhibiting other people (laughs) from being able to learn. Oh, amusing and sad. So then you ask, what do you do if either of these things is violated? If your IEP is in violation or your 504 is in violation. So with an IEP, you can have mediation. You can have a due process complaint. You can have a civil lawsuit, any kind of lawsuit, a state complaint, and in a 504, you can have mediation, alternative dispute resolution, an impartial hearing, or a complaint office to the Office for Civil Rights. You can also have a lawsuit. Neither of these plans will cost additional money. However, there can be money taken away from the school if they don't Provide these plans to students. So these plans are available. These plans are supposed to be able to help your student thrive in school the best that they can. And some are successful, some take a long time to figure out. And then as soon as you figure them out, your child changes a bit and it's just a long process. But there is something there, something to utilize, and something that will hopefully result in fewer emails home from the teacher. I wish you guys all the best. Parenting is hard. Thanks for joining me.